Talking about you with Estra, Season 8, Episode 7. Today, we're going to be talking about, Is Democracy Failing in America? What do you think? What do you see in everyday life as far as democracy is concerned? What are you willing to do about this situation if democracy is failing or if it's just getting better and we just all need to chip in to keep it going? Thank you for joining me today. I'm so glad you're with me. I'm glad we're talking about is democracy failing? This is our second day. This is what we'll do all week is talk about this. So go ahead and on Estra's hashtag, Estra's radio show, go ahead and drop me a note or interest on what you think about democracy in our country. So on Monday, we basically covered the basics. We talked about defining a lot about democracy, what it means, um, how it works, who does what, where. So today we're just going to step it up just a little bit further. I only have one more kind of like basic uh, information I wanted to add. And that is, uh, and we're going to have three articles to you, by the way, today. One of them is from Investopedia. And it says, is the United States a market economy or a mixed economy? And this will be the last basic information we have. And then the other one is from Forbes magazine. And it says, democracy in crisis. And then the last one is from the Washington Post. And it says one-third of the world's population lives in a declining democracy. And that includes the United States. As I usually say, we're not actually going to go through all the information in the articles. They are good ones to go out and check out and read for yourself if you have more input. Make sure you can also drop me a line on talking about you with Esther on Facebook. And let me know exactly what you think about the show today. Why is the type of economy that you live in so important? In my opinion, it's important because it helps us to decide the distribution of power in our country. And right now, unfortunately, the top 5% has most of this power. And uh, that doesn't help the the rest of the 95% of us survive in this country. Well, let's go ahead and talk about a market economy, economy versus a mixed economy. And it's, this also article is by Sean, uh, Sean Ross. And it says, a mixed economic system products private property and allows a level of economic freedom in the use of capital, but also allows governments to intervene in economic activities in order to achieve social aims for the public good. Well, how is it for the public good? Is the government doing something good for you? I wonder the way in which our society is currently run, whether they've forgotten what the public good means. It means, from my perspective, on doing things that help everyone in our country have a better life. That means that you don't just disperse it to the top 1%, and let the rest of the world or the rest of the country suffer. It means for the public good. That means in our public spaces. That means our forest services, which are really having a difficult time now. Let's not even talk about our infrastructure. I mean, the list of things for the public good seems to be lacking from my perspective on how things are being done today. What do you think about how the government is doing? Do you think they're doing a good job for the public good? 
It says also in this article, during some periods in the United States history, it was closer to a true free market economy in which private sector or individuals in unfettered in its economic behaviors, actions, and decisions. So in other words, it basically says, in my opinion, that we used to be a freer country. When, and when it says free economy, that means that we were free to trade in the ways in which we saw were the right ways to be. And there was not as many monopolies as there are today. How many franchises do you see when you walk down the street, right? Very few uh, states, in my opinion, have it so that uh, small businesses kind of over actually have just have a competing force with the franchises. That was one thing I liked about the state of California. They seem to still maintain a lot of their small businesses. When you go down their street, you see a lot of different uh, small businesses. You also see your big franchises and things down the road. But there seems to be a balance there, which I think is healthy for any state to hold. Because otherwise, you have all these monopolies going on, and they kind of choose how that city or state is going to be run. Because if you have too many of those monopolies, I think you've seen where they've said, if you don't give us what we want, we'll just go to another state. We'll just move to another section, right? Well, if your community is used to that revenue, right, isn't that kind of like a fear tactic? If you don't do what we want, we're out of here because we're a private organization. Or another thing that happens, unfortunately, is where you have government and private companies working together. Now, in my opinion, when you get that going on, then you have a problem for middle-class America and poor people. Because one thing the government does is give the majority of their contracts to the wealthy who don't really need them. We need people who are in middle-class and poor who have the skills. Because believe it or not, all poor people do no more than, than you think, perhaps, in some situations. And the only thing that many could be lacking is the opportunity. Okay, so... From my perspective, are actually able to have a government that is not biased towards their lobbyists, right? Then you're able to accomplish a lot for the people and by the people and for the people. And that, in my opinion, would be the public good. It wouldn't, it's not when you have the, the most richest people getting everything that they want and leaving nothing but crumbs for the rest of us. All right, I'm going to go down a little bit further. It says, during some periods in U.S. history, however, it was close in a true free market economy in which the private sector or individuals is unfettered in economic behavior, actions, and decisions. And to me, that means fewer monopolies and where everybody can just drop their hat into the pool and maybe come out with something that they've been dreaming about. It also says a true or absolute free market economy requires that all property be owned by private individuals and all goods and services be privately provided. Prices are allowed to fluctuate based on supply and demand and all transitions or sorry all transactions are voluntarily not compelled or restricted by government, right? And that I and personally I think that's what <clears throat> Lobbyists get in the way when they're attempting to get government to do things their way, which leaves out our way, which means we get lost out in the coal. But a true free market is when 
it's not manipulated by monopolies is one of the main things I see, or government uh, entities that look more about what's important to them and their cohorts that are in private. For example, right now in Social Security, we have a lot of things that are going on that really don't actually have the input of the people who actually receive Social Security, whether that's retirement, disability, or sickness and disease. If we truly knew a lot of the things that were going on, I wonder how would we respond? And if we knew the individuals in Congress who are working against us, how would we respond? How would we respond when they're on their upcoming election? I think it would really uh, make a big difference. And all of these things impact our democracy. Democracy can only be accomplished when everyone has their hand in the fire or their stake in the fire, or at least has the ability to try or can put their stake in the fire. Another thing this article talks about, it says, uh, economic systems have elements of both free markets and a centrally planned economic controls by the government. So it said governments might place regulatory restrictions on voluntary transactions in the private market. And what do I call that? I call that knocking the little guy out. When you put restrictions, you put uh, another thing is that is a lot of people are having to try to pay in order to vote. They've got to get their license, there's other things and taxes and things that come up, not necessarily with the license, but other things which require people to pay who don't have the resources. So what I call that is a lot of barriers to entry. When you have a lot of barriers to entry, who actually wins? The ones who have the money. Not the ones who need the money, okay? But the ones who have the money. So it's really important to me to be able to say, a free economy means everybody has an opportunity to put tip their hats into the into the bowl or wherever the hat might want to go, <laughs> you know. But just have a, a stake in whatever the process might be. Okay. It also says here, the U.S. government controls or partially controls many goods and services such as education. And what does that say? In my opinion, I'm going to go through each one of one of these issues as we cross them such as education. Our, edu- our education is one of the, in the worst condition it's been in for decades. Our children are not competitive. The knowledge we get is, is not even close to being able to help us to get into, or the next generation to be able to be competitive. Um, teachers are actually taking money out of their own pockets to be able to help kids with their education, who, and they aren't even getting paid well. Unfortunately, I should say, fortunately in the Washington state, we've had a lot of uh, teachers fighting for better conditions, and hopefully most of them by the beginning of this school year will get those better situations for them and also the kids in their class. Our kids cannot compete unless we give them what they need. So we should give them what they need and stay away from what? The greed. There has been money for schools, training, we need to stop just putting a few people first and placing the rest of us in last position. Then it talks about the courts. The courts, that's a whole nother story. Our courts used to be based on truths, facts, doing the right things. And those are the kind of people we'd like to put in those positions. 
Can we say that today? Can we say that the courts are holding up our democracy? Or are they holding up biases that people put out there? What about our roads? It's the next one. Our in infrastructure is worse than I've ever seen. What happened to the money? Where's the money? Did we just put it all on flats and took it to the Middle East? Did they just give it to all their special interests and lobbyists? Where, what happened to our infrastructure? It's so poor in many states. It's kind of a sad sight to see. And the next one is hospital care. How many people cannot even afford to be sick? And what's happening to the individuals who are sick who can't afford? I agree with Bernie Sanders when he says uh, medical care and hospital care is not a privilege. It's a right. And we certainly have enough money to be able to make this happen. And then the last one they talk about is the postal delivery. And boy, can I say a lot about the postal delivery. I've had items that were lost, that were insured, that they refused to pay. I've had my P.O. boxes broken into, locks changed. I've had just uh, my mail opened, personal private mail, my medical uh, information opened by them. Something is wrong when we've got an economy where, or a society where people's privacy and rights are no longer important, that they tend to, to go out there and do things that supposedly, I'm sure the Constitution gives us right for a lot of these things that they're actually breaking. And why are they able to do that in some cases? The Patriot Act, right? So the Patriot Act, in my opinion, has harmed the average citizen more than it's actually helped our country. We can't be afraid of the things that they're trying to do to us today. If we want a democracy to stand, if we want our rights to be here tomorrow for the next generation and the generation after that, then we're going to have to be able to stand up and say, no, some of these things you guys are doing are wrong, and we're not going to stand for it. In fact, we're going to vote your butts out because you haven't done what you promised. You're hurting the country. In fact, go out and use the hashtag Congress hurt us and see just how many things they haven't done that they should be doing. Far too, monop too many monopolies, in uh, my opinion. But what's your opinion? What is your opinion about our democracy and where we're headed? Do you think it's going in the right direction? Do you think we're going to be helped? What do you think is happening in our country? Do you think the power distribution is right, fair, wrong? Drop me a note on hashtag Esther's Radio Show and let me know. So on this other, the next one we're going to talk about, I wanted to ask you a question. And the question is, on a scale of 1 to 10, how would you rate currently our democracy in the United States? Do you think it works for the average person? Do you think it helps anyone other than the, the wealthy? In fact, right now there's a book. I haven't read them, so I'm asking for a lot of input today. If you've read the book People Versus Democracy, and like I say, some of the names I really do butcher, Jaska Mount is the first book, People Versus Democracy. And then there's a second book. It's by Stephen Levetsky, Levetsky and Daniel Zabot, and it's How Democracies Die. So if you've read either one of those and you really like them or you found them informative, drop me a line and let me know. You can also let me know on Facebook under Talking About You with Esther. I'd really love to hear from you. And also remember that if you want to be a guest on the show, to go ahead and uh, drop me a note. You can do it privately at contact at estras 
estrascarwreckhelp.com. That's estrascarwreckhelp.com. It's amazing just how many times the phone can ring. Usually that's harasses, intimidation people. By the way, they're the ones who actually made it hard to even get the show out today. But I would tell you, just as I say, I will not relent. I, if I don't relent, if I'm saying to you, don't relent to stand up and fight out things, then I'm going to do the same. So the show that was started this morning, actually, uh, I don't know if it'll ever show up. Block Talk Radio should have had a copy of it. It may not, but I'll tell you what, I will continue to get the shows out. And why is that? Because it's important. It's important for you to know where we are, to have information, to be able to make good decisions on what's going on today. The, the names of the books, again, was People versus Democracy, and the other one is How Democracies Die. So let me know, because in those, I guess I'm assuming they're talking about the decline of support for democracy. And if that's the case, we certainly need to know that. Uh, a little bit from the article called Democracy in Crisis, and it's written by Forbes.com. But like I said, we're not reading the whole articles. We're just kind of getting a flavor for them, and then we're going to go ahead and move on. So the last one I want to talk about is one-third of the world's population lives in a declining democracy. And it says that includes the United States. And this is an article by the Washington Post. And it says democracy, particularly in the United States, is under threat. Do you believe that? Do you see that in your everyday life? Can you feel it in the things you do? I'd like to know. Today, we are less optimistic than a year ago. Now, I wonder if they've found that as a conclusion. How much is this is due to economic issues, where previously most people were paid a living wage, so you could afford to eat, you could afford to sleep indoors, you could afford to get up and go to work every day. You had some kind of confidence in where you were going or the opportunities were, that were going to come your way. In fact, personally, I believe that's an issue for a lot of people who get involved in car accidents. They believe that their insurance that they've been paying for for years will be there to help them. But that's not necessarily true, and that's why it's important to read the fine print. The fine print in your insurance policy might surprise you. And why don't most of us read it? Because we don't think it's going to happen to us. It's going to happen to somebody else. Maybe your neighbor, maybe your relative, someone else. But when you have to be the person to address the pain and suffering that you're going to face, you really need to know what's in that contract. And you also need to know most companies get out of the ERISA part of that and end up paying maybe 20% and Social Security paying uh, a, the remaining part that they want to pay. And in my opinion, that's just injustice at its worst. I think Social Security, you paid into them, they should pay you what is promised. And if you have ERISA, your company should pay you what they have promised. And that's one of the things I talked about a moment ago when I say when private industry and the government get together, most of the time, the average person loses because they work together. They don't work for you in most cases. In my opinion, they work against you. 
Okay, so in this article, it says the survey asked more than 3,000 scholars and other country experts to evaluate each of the 178 countries on the quality of core features of democracy. So in other words, they were saying, we're going to check out these companies and we're going to see if what they say is democracy in their countries really lines up to be democracy. For example, most countries today hold elections, but some of these elections are free and fair, while others are severely rigged. So what does that tell you? Did we, have a, did we just have an election that was uh, seriously rigged? How are we going to protect ourselves in a month from now? Well, I live in Washington State. In Washington State, we have ballots that we send in, so we can always audit to see the results. But what if you live in a state where they have um, electronic ballots? We don't know if that's going to be fair. We don't know if it's going to be just. The only way in which we're going to know that if there's an auditing portion in that. And if they don't have it, why don't they? It's not that difficult to audit. Maybe somebody doesn't want things to be as the people want it. But one thing we can do is watch, be alert, stay informed, and share what we've done. So if things look a little out of whack, we'll have enough people to say, there's something wrong during this election. I voted this way, and so many people said they did too. Why is the outcome different? That is indeed the question. So... Rigged elections. Whoever thought we'd be thinking about that in the United States of America? One that we're supposed to be leading the world, right? So we need to take a look and figure that out. And it also says, only 15% of the world's population lives in countries where everyone, regardless of gender or economic status, has roughly equal access to political power. Why is political power important? Because when yours is taken away, it means that whatever your values are, are not included. Everyone's values have a right to be included. How do you do that? You do that by using your vote. Now, in some parts of the country, there's been a lot of things going on where people's votes have been trying to be taken. There's a lot of voter suppression going on, especially in uh, communities of color. But we can't let anyone stop us, no matter what your race, creed, or color. This is America, and we should all fight for the right to vote. You go up there and they say that uh, you're not uh, able to vote. You stand and you let other people coming in there know you went in there to vote. You were registered, and they're denying your right. Or they're putting you on a, a, a ballot that maybe they'll count or maybe they won't. But that's not where you want to stand. You want to stand and have a legitimate vote and be able to say it counted. It says people with the average level of income have almost as much influence on politics as rich in many Western countries, but not in the United States. Did you hear that? But not in the United States. The United States scores lowest among all Western countries, ranking 75th globally. Did you hear that? We rank 75th. The United States, the primo, really, not anymore if we're 75th. If we're 75th, that's a major problem. It says one in four people, almost two billion people, live in countries where more economically well-off have gained 
more political power in the past 10 years. And frankly, how do I believe they got that? Through money. Money they've taken from you. Money they should have been paying in wages. Right? So you could take care of yourself and your funny, your family. So how did this happen? By discouraging you to vote. Vote your interest. Vote your hope. Take back your power. How do you take back your power? Through the vote. You've got to do it. We've got to do it. Because if we don't, we may not have any voting power in the next generation. It really makes a difference. And then this other part, it says, uh, the Brazilian journalists face increasingly harassment when reporting about major political corruption scandals that have shaken the country in recent years. Now, I don't believe Brazilians have a are the only ones who actually are facing this increased harassment. I think here in the United States, it's also becoming an issue. And why is that? Because when we stand out, you can look at different uh, communities like Black Lives Matter. I like that one, so I, I use that one often. Um, when they do things, or there are other ones, I really liked um, the one bef even before that where um, they became harassed and intimidated. Occupy. Um, what is it? Occupy. I can't remember the other part of it. You know, they have a lot of them in different cities now. I always think about the Occupy in New York, where they were always, they were feeding people, they were supporting people. And what happened? The police came and just, just, just annihilated the communities. And that's one of the problems I have is, have you ever noticed the police are never on the right side of the course? Okay. Police are always supporting the rich, the wealthy. Do you see them out there helping the poor? Only for commercial time. Only for commercial time. Whenever there's a problem, instead of standing with the people, they stand with the money. And we've got to change that. We have to change it so that the police aren't out there hurting us, that they're standing for us, and certainly not shooting us, for sure. To me, that's really one of the most important things. But the harassment and intimidation and the bullying, it's everywhere. And I certainly can say that it's here in the United States. So don't be afraid to stand up for what is right. Expose the wrongs. Because without us exposing them, then we're going to have so many more problems. And we're never going to be able to accomplish the true democracy that we want to work towards. It also says here, the United States failed 24 places in the count or country ranking on liberal democracy. What? We don't, we're not in there with liberal democracy? Where are we then? It says, over the past two years, from 7th in 215 to 31st in 217. Doesn't that tell you Mr. President Barack Obama was doing what was right for his country? And he was trying to do what was right for the world? We were seventh then, and now we've dropped to 31. Are we talking about it? No. Why isn't the media talking about where we are and what we're doing and what's happening to our country? Is it because they're also afraid? Are they afraid because we're not actually doing news, we're doing entertainment? There's a difference between doing real-world news and entertainment, right? What is the Trump administration, and particularly the Republican GOP? Are, isn't it them that have their own interest at heart? And guess what? The world knows it. 
There's no surprise there that we've dropped from the 7th with respect to the 31st in 217 with less dignity. When we compare, it says, the United States score in 217 with its average score over the past 10 years, the drop is precipitous and unprecedented. That means we've never dropped so fast, you would never believe it, right? Well, I believe it. And the reason I believe it is because I personally believe the Republican Congress has set these things in motion way before Trump was elected. They had plans to be able to, to of their own agendas, regardless of what was good for America. They wanted what was good for them. And now they're going to actually uh, see the repercussions of their actions. I believe Americans really have seen what's going on and are going to choose to make America not great again because America has a long way. We've got a lot of people out there that need the respect and dignity that they've been deserving in this country for a long time. In the United States, because they began to be skeptical that the U.S. Congress, who? Was it Trump? No. It's the U.S. Congress will reign in executive overreach, right? No, they don't want to rein him Trump in. Why? They don't want to rein him in because they're getting what they want. Is it what you and I want? Probably not. It says, the opposition party can contribute to overseeing, investigating, or otherwise checking the majority party. The U.S. executive branch was assessed as showing less respect for the Constitution. Why are they in office if they're not going to respect the Constitution? Hello. And compliance with the judiciary. Two indicators that the judiciary branch can restrain the executive. So that's saying that there's not going to be any controls there. And why is that? Because uh, Congress has an interest to do what they want. And, but what's happened through all of this? It means the president's administration, Congress, and the courts have become dysfunctional. And the whole world can, dis- can actually see it. This means we have to make de- democracy work again. And the way in which we can change that is with our vote. It says in terms of government compliance with decisions, decisions of the Supreme Court, the United States used to rank among the top countries of the world but now has declined to number 48. Mm-mm-mm. Let me just go ahead and read that whole paragraph to make sure that you understand what they're saying. It says, For all indicators, the score of the United States declined. The downward trend in the United States is much worse than in other countries. <laughs> that says we're going down faster than other countries. And why is that? Because our leaders aren't doing their job. At least that's my opinion. In terms of government compliance with the United States, I'm sorry, in terms of government compliance with decisions of the Supreme Court, the United States used to rank among the top countries of the world, but now has declined to number 48. So our Supreme Court isn't doing their job either. So sad. Across the past decades, a slight decline in the range of perspectives provided in major print and broadcast media which corresponds to the intense debate about biased media in the United States. So it's saying even the media today is not doing their job. That the media is concentrating on fiction, or maybe not fiction, I I don't think I'll go as far as fiction, but I will say entertainment for sure, 
and not facts about what's going on every day in our world. They only pick maybe three or four topics, and they all talk about those same topics. They don't go any further. They don't say about what's really going on or the real problems that are that mainstream is dealing with. In other words, Main Street as the people are dealing with. We hardly hear about the problems and issues unless something comes up as a major problem, and they might talk about it for a couple days, and then they move on. But that's not the America or the democracy that we're supposed to be living in. So, what do you think? Do you think America is declining? It sounds like many of us do. I mean, we can certainly feel the repercussions of uh, things not being done as they used to be done. Or the respect. Even just, America used to be known for the class we had. Do you think we have much class anymore? How do you think the world is viewing us? What about our democracy? The key is you know, what we can do to make the United States better is to vote and to stand and to say we won't put up with this craziness. We have a choice. We don't have to live in a, in a country that's decided to do things that hurt us, especially Congress. We can just flip those out immediately. That's really the key. And I know that we can do it because we care about this country. This country is ours, all of ours. Not one, not two, not three, not four, but all of us. So are we ready to stand up if our democracy is declining? Our kids would appreciate it. Our futures, even today, will appreciate it. We can turn these things around. If America is failing, then it's our fault. We have to change it. We have to stand. So let's do that. Let's go ahead this week, take a look at the information we can find about a failing America. And maybe it's not failing. Maybe just from some, a few people's perception, it's failing. Maybe we just need, need to do improvements to make it better. But whatever it takes, we need to do it. We need to stand. We need to stand also against the insurance industry that refuses to pay settlements or benefits just because they can. Somehow, people in power forgot who they are and how they got there and what they're supposed to be doing with their power. It's not supposed to be abuse of power, but a respect of power. Thank you so much for being with me today, especially after me having to do the show twice in one day because of harassment and intimidation by insurers. But I guarantee you, there's a lot for all of us to learn and grow. And I promise to be here, and I thank you for being with me today, and I'll see you tomorrow when we can continue. Enjoy your day. Thanks for being with me. I'll see you soon.